0: Hey, I'm Kevin. Hey, I'm Johnny Yee. Tune into our radio show, Philly Rock Live. We play the classic hard rock and metal from the 70s and 80s we grew up on. We play the new music those same bands are making today. And we play new music from around the world. Not to mention the great bands from our own local scene. You will not hear a mix of music like this anywhere else. If it kicks ass, we, we play. play it. Philly Rock Live. Thursday, 7 to 9 p.m. Philly time.
1: On PhillyRockRadio.com. Listen online with your mobile device or even your smart speaker.
0: And now. And now. It's time for another edition of the Sports and Metal Podcast. We talk hard hitting sports and bone crunching metal. Sports and Metal. Because sports and metal go better together. Now here's your host, Jason Voorhees. (laughs) And Aaron Savage. Oh yeah! Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of the Sports and Metal podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Aaron Savage, and with me as always, my partner in crime, Mr. Jason Voorhees. Yeah man. What's going on buddy? What's up, dude? Uh, not much, man. A lot going on this week. And I will say, I, before we go anywhere, I want to start the show. I meant to do it last week, and we had, we had Seb Braganza on, and I kind of never got to it. I forgot about it. But I wanted to plug you, dude. Um, for everybody out there, check Jason out. Um, he's got a new side gig. He's writing for a new social media flyer site called Flyers Nitty Gritty. So check out Jason Vujic. Bo- on flyers nitty gritty um check him out on twitter whatever social media you'll find him out there so i just wanted to get at that get that out of the way i um, oh, meant you. to do that last week no you're welcome dude um but dude i mean oh my goodness where to begin i guess just to get it out of the way why don't we start with all the controversy that continues it seems like every week in sports and music there's almost more to talk about that has nothing to do with sports and music in relation to sports and music than what's actually going on. Like there's no concerts, you know, there's albums are few and far between. I mean, there's no live performances and uh, there's sports are, you know, seasons have been delayed, games have been canceled, blah, blah, blah. It seems like most of what there is to talk about is off the field stuff and outside of the studio stuff. So let's start it. I mean, again, you're you're, you're
1: right. It's like, (laughs) Ever since 2020 started, obviously,
0: and now it's kind of like I a mean, exactly. new <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I, mean, I guess we'll start with the Mets thing because we already kind of went with it. Like, it seems like, dude, no matter what the Mets do, they're always finding themselves in hot water, getting their name dragged through the mud, even if it has nothing to do with anything that involves them per se. Um, it's, they, get, they have new ownership. It's supposed to be a new era. And, dude, what a week it's been for the Mets. First of all, you've had this whole GameStop situation where this Reddit group Wall Street Bets was pumping up GameStop stock, which at one point was down to like four dollars a share. I mean, GameStop GameStop has closed thousands of stores throughout the country; they're going out of business, and obviously, these hedge funds were short selling the stock. Um, you know, for all of you that aren't like stock experts, basically, long story short, they buy the they, they buy the shares at a really cheap price. And then they they borrow, and then they they sell them at higher higher prices, whatever I'm not an expert on it, but long story short, how they make millions of dollars and are uh, billions of dollars and you know so basically to screw the hedge funds, all these like millennials on Wall Street bets on Reddit started pumping up game stock stock, driving the price up, which in turn was forcing the hedge funds to buy the stock back at higher prices to cover their losses, and just driving the price up 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 up, it got to like four hundred and sixty dollars a share from four dollars. I saw the one kid who started it invested eight thousand dollars, and by the end of the week had eighty-two thousand dollars. So, long story short, uh, here's where the Mets come in. Steve Cohen, the new Mets owner, he, he's got his hedge fund was a point seventy-two or whatever. Uh, he's the, the richest owner in baseball, and sports maybe. He's a billionaire. The show Billions is based off of him on Showtime. If you haven't seen it, anyway, he bailed out his his hedge fund buddy. Um, <laughs> that cost him like two point one billion dollars and and then dave portnoy from barstool sports was all over you know all social media saying he thought it was illegal activity and that you know it they're trying to screw the little guy which may be true but at the end of the day i mean hedge funds that's what they do they they, that's why they're billionaires and they're also the hedge funds are also protecting their investors that make money from their hedge fund long story i'm not going to get into the whole aspect of all that that's a different show we're not a stock market show but long story short here the mets are again Steve Cohen's name is in the news for all the wrong reasons. I, he, stopped, he closed his Twitter account. It's unbelievable. You know, like I said, it's unbelievable. Dave Portner says it's illegal activity, blah, blah, blah. You know, that's just the beginning. And then, I don't know, if like right at the same time this is going on, Mickey Calloway, former Mets manager, <laughs> is accused by like five women of sexual misconduct. I, a couple instances while he was managing the Mets. A couple instances while he was pitching coach of the Indians. Oh, my God. Like, you can't make it up, dude. And, and none of it has anything to do with the Mets. Just... None of it has anything. Well, granted, Mickey Calloway was Mets manager for some of this. But, I mean, it's it most for the most part, it just doesn't. It's like Mickey Calloway's not with the Mets. He's not their manager. They fired him. It, so, that has nothing to do with anything now. It's new ownership. So, when he was manager of the Mets, it wasn't under this ownership group. And the ownership is in hot water again. Like, it's crazy. So... Oh, my God. As a Mets fan, I don't know what to say. You,
1: I mean, honestly, you just took the words out of my mouth, you know, that statement, you can't make this up. Like you you can't literally like last week or was two weeks ago was the other situation with their GM and now, you know, obviously the stocks and it's like every week you're right. It's like almost like, I feel like the Mets and the Eagles have been more in the national news in the last month and a half, two months than they were in the past two years.
0: But at least the Eagles, it's really just a quarterback cut. The Mets
1: stuff is insane.
0: The Mets stuff is insane. You're talking billions of dollars Wall Street loss from these Reddit people and the Mets owners involved. They haven't even started his first season as the owner of the Mets, and we're, like, dealing with this weekly. And the sexual oh, my God, it's crazy. It's crazy, dude. Anyway, and then moving on, Marilyn Manson, dude. Ugh. I –
1: I mean, I gotta be honest. When you when I first saw your post on on uh, I, I was I guess it was our Facebook page, I I was I was not shocked. I mean, I gotta be honest with you. Like, I I love Marilyn Manson. Obviously, I love him as a musician. I I think he's he's brilliant. You know, I've read his book, um, but the guy's a weirdo. And I mean, I gotta be honest with you. I'm surprised that this is the first well, it's not really even the first time this has been brought up about him having issues like this, but I'm not shocked. Let's just put it that way. Uh, You know, obviously a little upsetting because, you know, obviously anytime you see somebody, you know, you know, either sports or music getting involved in something like this, it's just upsetting on all levels. I mean, you know, obviously, I don't know, you know, sometimes you don't know who to believe, but obviously, he came out and denied it. So, I, I don't know what, you know, what, what What do you think about it?
0: Yeah, well, first of all, to bring everybody up to speed, if you don't know about it, Evan Rachel Wood, uh, Marilyn Manson's ex-girlfriend, uh, the other day on Twitter, uh, named her abuser. I guess, you know, I guess in 2018, she had made a statement that she had been abused, um... She accused Marilyn Manson of abuse and grooming on Monday following years of speculation regarding an unnamed victimizer the actress referenced in a congressional testimony from 2018. She spoke of a then-unidentified abuser in even earlier instances. I'm just reading here. This was on Loudwire. Wood, 33, named a rock musician in a short statement on social media after much media scrutiny, had presumed Manson as the abuser. At least four other women have subsequently joined Wood posting separate allegations against Manson, as Vanity Fair reported. Last November, Manson terminated a phone interview early after Woods' name was mentioned. Before he hung up, he called any accusations or rumors. Shortly after, a representative for Manson issued an explanation on the musician's behalf. On Monday, however, Wood publicly put an identity to her allegations for the first time. She posted, the name of my abuser is Brian Warner, Woods said on Instagram. Also known to the world as Marilyn Manson. He started grooming me when I was a teenager and horrifically abused me for years. The Westworld and True Blood actress continued. I was brainwashed and manipulated into submission. I am done living in fear of retaliation, slander, or blackmail. I am here to expose this dangerous man and call out the many industries that have enabled him before he ruins any more lives. I stand with the many victims who will no longer be silent. Um... She her, she had a, a romantic relationship with uh, Manson. Came to public attention in 2007 after he had separated from model Dita Von Teese. So I don't know if you remember he was dating her. Uh, they got engaged in 2010. They broke up less than a year later. At the time in 2007, Manson was 38 and Wood was 20. So I mean, it was a big age difference then. But, uh, I mean, I'm with you. I mean, I'm just you know going through it to bring everybody up to speed here. It's it's I, I'm the same as you, man. I'm not shocked and and I never, and I don't want this to come out the wrong way when I say it because you never want to blame the victim, but it's like, because I'm not shocked, it almost makes me think then why was everybody with him? Why was anyone with him in the first place? Unless it's, unless they were into some weird kinky shit because he's a weird dude and and I'm not victim blaming. It comes off that way because it's just, I'm only saying it really because Marilyn Manson is so weird. Like some of these women that I've seen with him, Dita Von Teese, I guess I could have seen with him because she was very goth and had a similar vibe. But these young models are like, even like Rose McGowan at the time when he was dating her. I mean, they just seem like polar opposites of him. I I never understood. It comes off the wrong way because I don't want to victim blame. It's not my intention. Uh, I'm simply saying I'm not shocked because he's such a weird dude. So I wonder, like, were people with him because they were into weird shit? uh, It's weird. It's weird. I don't know what to say.
1: You know what I mean? No, and that's, That's kind of what I don't want to be, obviously, you know, blaming the victim either. Like, that's definitely not my, where where I'm at. I guess, like, I'm just, dude, the guy is weird. I've read his book. He's a weird dude. I mean, honestly, some of the stuff that, I mean, you know, you've told me some of the concerts that you went and and saw and some of the stuff that went on there. I mean, this guy, I can only imagine what goes on behind closed doors. Like, and like I said, I'm not saying it's right. But, but I'm with you, like, I'm kind of like, what are these people doing? But then again, well, we got to remember, like, a lot of people, you know, get involved with people and they don't really kind of think of that,
0: you know. Wh- yeah, but- I, that's, a, that's the other side of it. But yeah, like you said, Manson's a weird dude. You brought up the concerts I went to. Ugh. I saw Manson back, like, before he was even really big, like, right around when Portrait of American Family was just coming out back in, like, 94. I saw Manson open for Nine Inch Nails at Madison Square Garden with the Jim Rose Circus. Dude, he was, like, naked on stage at the Garden. Like, a weird dude, simulating masturbation. I saw him at club shows, like, at the Stone Pony. And I remember, like, back then, and obviously this was kids, too, like, get caught up in stuff. There was rumors that, like, on New Year's Eve of, like, 1995, he was going to kill himself on stage. It was like, so the point is, he's always been, like, a weird guy. And his art, to me, was phenomenal because he was so weird. Like, I kind of, like, that sometimes draws me to an artist because, like, I separate them, the man from the art. And I, it's like I like that there's like, um, you know what? It almost reminds me of like it almost reminds me of like before social media and every and YouTube and there's no rock stars anymore. Like you, like people make themselves famous by sh- making YouTube videos now. Back even way before Manson, like you didn't see sometimes what rocks like going back to Kiss. Like you never knew who Kiss was in the '70s when they had the makeup on. It was a mystery. So that's what made it so intriguing. Manson kind of brought that to the table in the early '90s. Like it was like. Who is this dude? It's so freaky. So, so, but, it, but knowing that he was that weird and freaky, I, it's like, I can't imagine some of these young girls 10 years later, like when he was 38 years old, like an Evan Rachel Wood, a beautiful young 19 year old girl, dating this guy. Like, like, it's just, yeah, like, oh what business God, it's so would she have? It's so weird. What
1: business would she even have with him? You're right. Like, not only just because he's you know, weird, but like, I, I don't know, man. I just, I don't know. I don't
0: get it. I guess what I'm saying is I, I, it I guess what I'm saying is we've gone back to like guilty before proven innocent. And it's almost like sometimes I wonder like he's into like weird kinky stuff were they into that stuff and then now retroactively they regret it and they did, and again it's I'm I'm not saying that that's definitively the case. I'm not at all. Yeah, well, we not, obviously I don't, don't want to. I'm saying that's always a possibility because like we don't know. It's like we've gotten into a situation where in our culture where people are guilty before the proven innocent. Unfortunately, it's the reality of it. I tend to have a feeling that Manson is guilty of these things. But there's a part of me that says, were they consensual to some of this behavior? And then now later, like, you know, you know what I mean? Like some people get into weird stuff, like beating each other up during sex or like role playing and, and weird stuff. And Manson seems like that type of dude. And I just can't understand what somebody would see in him if you weren't into that weird shit. I mean, I, that's what I will get. I, you know I, what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. I mean, just sometimes like even watching his interviews, like and, and I'm with you. I separate the man from the artist. Like, you know, as an artist, I totally appreciate what he's done because, you know, obviously, you know, he started out as a nobody. I mean, he wasn't even a musician until he was like. 17 18 years old that's when he like
0: well that was that was part of what made him awesome (laughs) he was like a real dork in school so he created this image that's why i love that first album portrait of american family like lunchbox like taking out the bully with the metal lunchbox next motherfuckers gonna get my metal next motherfucker pow, pow, pow. like i loved it when i was young like he's not the same now as he was then i mean to me what he was then that he represented something that's what i liked about it but yes, to your point, he's a self-made dude. You know what I well, mean. But because of those, well, things, and you know what I mean. And that's
1: what I mean. So that part of me, like, definitely appreciates what he what he's
0: done. But however, yeah, he created this character. But however, yeah.
1: if we're finding it, and like I said, we don't know the truth. But obviously, if these allegations are true, then you know, yeah, I mean, he deserves to be in trouble. And you know, unfortunately, sometimes this is what happens. You know, with these people later in you know their their career you know, it kind of gets marred because, you know, they've done something wrong now. And it, of course you're always going to remember somebody for what, for the negative.
0: Well, that's the crazy thing. We live in cancel culture now. Like for example, Manson's already been dropped by his label. He's lost his sponsorships. It's almost like he's going to be erased. That, that's the one thing I don't like, because that's, when did that become the norm where you just get accused of something and you're just erased well, I, I i agree you know what I, i'm saying I, like i have a problem with that too i that's you know th- this is one of those controversial subjects no. our name is going to get like brought out in hot water but you know what i'm saying yeah, i don't want it's and, like, and i don't
1: <laughs> want us to ever like like you said before we're not like we don't we're not victim we're, blaming or we're we're anything i'm just all the possibilities but, but, but we have to at least speak our mind like i agree i think cancel culture has went way way too far i mean is there, was there things in life that needed to be addressed? Yes. And is there still things that need to be addressed? Yes. But I agree. Can you just erase something? Like, it's just like even with the sport thing, like with these guys not going in the Hall of Fame, I know it's not the same thing,
0: but. It, it, well, it's not even close to the same thing. So, in fairness to any listeners who might be offended, let's clarify. Well, that. It's still. Totally- not even close. Yeah, I'm just, That's I guess... Not a great, comp, 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 not a good comparison. Yeah, I guess you're right. You know, but... But you know what I'm saying? We're talking sexual abuse versus getting into the whole. Well, no, thing. But, but I, I get I, your I'm point.
1: not talking about sexual abuse in, in in this point I'm making. I'm talking about cancel culture Cancel culture,
0: I get it. But we're talking about the Manson thing, yeah. I, I mean, it. if he I, I'm obviously... Just keep trying to
1: keep us out of trouble. If he obviously, <laughs> you know, did do these things, then, you know, yes, he deserves the, you know, whatever the punishment is, obviously, fit the crime. But... You know, obviously at this point, we don't know because he has to go to, you know, is there going to be a trial? Yeah.
0: I mean, this was just, I mean, yeah. the Hall of Fame thing's a little different. The Hall of Fame thing's been going on for 20 years. It's not really cancel culture. It's just not letting him in the Hall of Fame. I'm talking cancel culture, like erased from existence. Like Hulk Hogan said some offensive words a few years ago and the, and World Wrestling Entertainment completely erased him from their websites and all their, all their media. Like, think about that. Hulk Hogan the biggest star in the history of professional wrestling that made that company made the millions and billions of dollars. He said some offensive stuff, which he should not have said, I'm not going to get into it, but you can't erase him. That's what I'm talking about. Cancel culture. And especially in a situation where like the Hulk Hogan thing is a little different too, because there was actual video of him saying those words. So I I get it. I mean, it wasn't good, but in these circumstances, sometimes it's just somebody making an accusation, but, there's no necessary proof to it. It's just like somebody saying something. And I'm not saying whether Manson did or didn't do these things. I'm just simply talking about like, wow, like the next day he's erased. Like, it's like the Johnny Depp thing. I mean, anybody's – I mean, Johnny Depp maybe is a bad example too because I've seen some pictures and stuff just just shooting from the hip here. But I'm talking situations where anybody could say anything about anybody and you're just guilty before proven innocent and completely erased. Well,
1: that's – If you kind of want to see, you know – if anybody's been the poster child of somebody that has been blamed for things, I mean, this isn't the first time Marilyn Manson's been in hot water. I mean, remember what happened with the shootings. I mean, that was like – now, obviously, that was like, you know, something that he really didn't, you know, have anything to do with. And I remember, like – remember, they, they kind of went after him. his Yeah,
0: was- but so guess what? That's, that's a good thing that you bring up because I will make a point about that. That's kind of different in two ways. Well, I'm not saying... Number one, that was... They, I'm just well, saying. hear me out, hear me out. They weren't going to cancel him. They were just blaming him. Cancel culture really didn't exist yet when Colin. No, but I'm happened. not saying that... That was a different era, but, what, but porn, that's an. Yeah. that was ridiculous that they even tried to put it on him. I mean, that's like, that's no different than the Judas Priest trial when they said that the, the Judas Priest masked lyrics on the Stained Class album and that made those two kids shoot themselves. I'm just
1: saying... I mean, come on. No, no, absurd. no. But the point I'm making is, is I'm saying he's been through... I mean, that was some serious thing. I mean, he, he's
0: a lightning he, he rod. He's about a it in rod. His book,
1: Like, you know, that that was a difficult, dark time for him. Cause, you know, sure. Was, like, they were, everyone was after him. I mean, they, they were basically trying to make the Columbine shootings Meryl Manson's fault. And it was like, dude, like,
0: really? Like, this is. Well, that could be what I'm saying here a little. It's almost like, is it a witch hunt? Because Marilyn Manson has been a lightning rod. I mean, again, not saying he is or isn't guilty. I'm simply saying guilty before proven innocent has become the norm. And let's be honest, Marilyn Manson is like you just pointed out a lightning he's rod. An easy target. He's an easy guy to go easy after. Target. He's an e- easy, easy target, dude. I mean, he's pissed off the church. He's pissed off parents pissed off everybody. He's a weird guy. <laughs> yeah. Because he's controversial, but that's what we liked about him in the first place. <laughs> you know, but if this true, if this stuff's true, it's awful. It's awful. But anyway, we hit on that a little bit. Um, I know you wanted to get into some other stuff, Jay. Why don't you throw yeah, it Yeah, well, me? I
1: was just wondering what your thoughts are. You know, you know we should
0: talk about the Super Bowl, uh, obviously. Of course. Um,
1: yeah. You know, you got you got so, so many storylines in, in this big game. Uh, obviously, you know, the Chiefs versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, of course, no bigger storyline than Tom Brady. I mean, so basically he's got six Super Bowls, right? This yep. is his 10th career super bowl appearance so if he wins yep. it'll be his seventh super bowl victory which obviously i mean you and i have already talked about this numerous times i mean he's the goat there's there's no there's no argument it's I mean, not it's, debatable so this part, that's yep. not even something that i really even want to bring to the table because we both agree that he is the goat um if you're just kind of looking at this game you know uh in a nutshell uh You know, a couple couple key things. It's you know, obviously Brady versus Mahomes. So it's you know, you could say it's the goat versus the goat two or the the future goat as as we would call it potential future GOAT, Um, sure. Yeah. They are two and two, uh, if if anyone's wondering, they're two and two actually career against each other. Um they faced each other four times. So uh just a you know, little synopsis here. So going back to 2018, uh, Patriots played the Chiefs, and the Patriots actually beat the Chiefs 43 to 40. Uh, In that game, Brady uh, threw for 340 yards and one touchdown, and Mahomes threw for 352 and four touchdowns, and they lost. Um, AFC Championship game. uh, How could we forget this one? Right, just uh, 2019. So. Would have been two years ago. Well, no, a year ago. Uh, yep. Patriots beat the Chiefs, 37-31 in overtime. Uh, in that game, Brady threw for 348. He had a touchdown and two interceptions. Mahomes had 295 yards and three touchdowns.
0: Yeah, that was the prior season. Yes, correct. Yep.
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah. Then in de- December 8, uh, 2019, the Chiefs beat the Patriots uh, this time. And that was a 23 16 victory. Mahomes went for 283 and a touchdown. Brady had 169 and a touchdown and an interception. And then uh, this just this past year, uh, just about two months ago, it would have, would have been the, November 29th, uh, the Chiefs beat the uh, Buccaneers 27 24. Mahomes went for 462 and three, and Brady went 345 and three. So basically, like I said, If you looked at these four games, it's a two and two record, which when it's all said and done, what's the most important stat, stat line, the victories. It's not the stats. So it looks like in most of these, you know, Mahomes outperformed Brady as far as stats, but, you know, they both uh, came out victorious twice. Um... If you're looking for where I lie, uh, I, I mean, I think it's going to be a very, very close game. Um, the Patriots, uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> the Patriots. I'm
0: so used to Brady. Yeah, it's very easy to say that. Oh, my that. God, yeah. <laughs> With Brady.
1: <The laughs> wow, what a mess. What a mess there. <laughs> I'm so used to saying the Patriots because obviously Brady. Yep, um, yep. I think the Buccaneers, um, the Buccaneers have the better defense. Uh, The Chiefs, obviously, I I think their offenses are similar, but the Chiefs obviously have the edge. Um, I I think, once again, that this is my opinion all the time. I think football in the playoffs comes down to turnovers. So I believe whoever is able to force the most turnovers will win the game. Um, I'm leaning the Buccaneers in this game. Uh, And I I think it's going to be a close one, but I think think uh, Tom Brady gets his seventh. And that's where I'm
0: going to tell you what I think. I'm going to tell you what I think. I think this is the most interesting Super Bowl in quite a while. Uh, I, I think the, the Bucs were kind of under everybody's radar almost all season long. They were undermined for sure. Brady didn't start the season lighting it up. He quietly ended up, though, with the season that's on par with some of his best seasons. You know, 40-plus touchdowns, well over 4,000 yards passing. A good passer, right? I mean quietly, Brady was Brady, and nobody thought about it. And then the playoffs came, and all of a sudden, here he is in the Super Bowl. You know, it's like it's it's. I, I want to say I'm shocked, but yet I'm not. But um, and the the Bucks defense got better as the year progressed. They have some weapons. <sighs> obviously, the Chiefs are the Chiefs. Um, it looks like Mahomes is going to be ready to play from the concussion. Um, obviously he played during the championship game, so obviously, obviously that goes without saying, but. Bottom line is this. You know what I think is going to happen? I think it's going to be almost like Falcons-Patriots part two. I think the Chiefs have that explosive offense. I think they're going to come out swinging. They're going to get an early lead, and I just think it's going to come down to Brady being Brady. And as great as Pat Mahomes is and the Bucs defense being solid, I think the the Bucs defense is going to step up enough to keep the game where Brady has a chance to come back. And I think he's going to do just that. He's going to come back. I, it's going to come down to late in the fourth quarter – I mean, if you just have Brady where all he needs is a field goal, it's done. It's over. It's over. And I think we're going to get to that point. I think it's going to be a close game. I don't necessarily want to throw a score out, but I think it's probably going to be something like 30 to 27. I think that'll be on the low end, what the score is going to be. I just think it's going to come down to you're going to get Brady, have the ball with maybe a minute or two left, and all he's going to need is a field goal, and he's going to get it. I just think that's that's where I'm at with this. I think the Bucks take it. Yeah, so so that's yeah, so I think
1: we both agree. Uh and I you know, I didn't give a score, but I, I'm I'm kinda leaning uh forty three to thirty
0: seven. I think I could see that I think totally. Brady yep. like has I said, a late my score was low. Yeah, I,
1: I think Brady has a late touchdown at, at the end as well. And I think uh I I don't I wouldn't say that it's a ride into the sun moment because I think the guy I mean he's already said he still wants to play. But I also could see him, you know, winning and then, you know, maybe retiring. I, 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 know, yeah. I know that it's not, you know, the guy is healthy and he's, he's, he hasn't been, you know, he's 40, 43 and he still, you know, probably has another three or four years as far as his yeah. body goes. But I think if he does win, I'm saying I wouldn't put it past him retiring.
0: I'm telling you this, this. book it. No chance he retires, win or lose, no chance. Okay. Book it. I'll tell you why. He's got something to prove even if he wins the Super Bowl. I think Tom Brady is like a unique animal, man. He just always seems like he's got something to prove. And that's what makes him so great. He's always got something to prove. Everybody that's striving to be great can learn from Tom Brady. No matter what this guy accomplishes, he wants to be better, and I, I just – I still see it. Like, he'll win the Super Bowl with the Bucs, you know, if that happens, and he's going to be like, well, you know what? I want to prove that I can win two with the Bucks because I did it with the Pats. That's just the way I, I feel about Tom Brady. He's just that well, guy. he does
1: I, – I, you know? I will say he does have that drive more than anybody I've ever seen. And, you know, the, you know from what they say, he's very relentless in his practice and his training. No, um, oh, and
0: his diet. I mean, he's, like, fanatic. fanatical. Uh, yeah, he –
1: I do find it funny that a lot of people hate the guy. Now, I don't hate him, I, but I did say I'm sick of him. But I, I don't know how anybody can hate the guy. Like, I guess people that don't like him a lot of times say he's cocky. And I know a lot of – there there was quite a few Eagles fans that didn't like him because he didn't shake Nick Foles' hand, which
0: I, I did think that was kind of Bush League, I would say. But – I will say this. I, I can't imagine Brady even would do that intentionally, knowing the guy. I – like, to me, that's just another reason that people pull straws to try to hate yeah. the guy. Because, like, everything you've seen about Brady, did you see him after the um, game against the um, Redskins a couple weeks back? He actually went out of his way to go up to Alex Smith and congratulate him on his comeback. And you see so many videos that, of, like, moments with Tom Brady that you don't always get to see. Like the other one where he called his son after they won the uh, NFC Championship last week. I mean, there's so many moments with Tom Brady that just show that not only is he a great player, but that he's a great person. So, like, for example, the Nick Foles thing, I can't imagine that that – I can't imagine that was anything other than an oversight on Tom Brady's – Yeah,
1: I'm just saying that there there are quite a few people out there, not just Eagles fans, that don't like him, that dislike Tom Brady. I'll
0: tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. Think about it. He's good looking. He's the best player in the league. He wins every single year, and he's got a model for a wife, and he's got millions and millions of dollars. (laughs) He is what everybody wants to be. They're going to hate the guy like that's what made a lot of people when it was Brady and uh, Peyton Manning that sided with Peyton Manning because Peyton Manning was like the average Joe with the big forehead. You could show a movie off that guy's forehead. You know, the all shucks guy. Oh, gee whiz. You know, he was a more of an average Joe that was also a great player. So people related to him more. It's it's hard for the common man to relate to Tom Brady when he's got the perfect jaw, the hottest girlfriend the most money lives in the biggest house he's like rick flair Woo! <laughs> <laughs> limo riding jet flying son of a gun that's tom brady tom brady's like the rick flair of the nfl you know it's like dude he's easy to hate because he's so good that's just the reality of it it's the reality of it everybody hates what they what they want what they can't have the guy wins every year like you said you're sick well, of him i'm not gonna it's, lie it's, like, it's, it's always easier to root for the common man you know what i mean
1: I, I will tell you this: I will never root for, I will never root or bet against Brady again because every time I bet against him, he wins.
0: And well, you could root against him, but you'd be stupid well. I'm to not going to root
1: against him anymore <laughs> because I'm, I've changed my stance. Because I, I did root against him, but you know what? I am now in the camp that you've been in for a long time, and, and you know you could take credit for if you want, <laughs> selfishly. But you, I've come around on it, and, and I do agree. I'd much rather see the guy succeed, especially now, because I also think, you know, to your point, he wants to show that it was all him. Not that Belichick's not a good coach, because I, I think we all agree he is a good coach. But when it's all said and done, and everything, you know, the book is finally written. I think he wants to prove, like, look, I went to this team and I also won X amount of Super Bowls, which, to your point, he probably won't retire. But I'm just saying I could, I wouldn't yeah. put it past him because I never put anything past the guy because he kind of has already proved me wrong because I was the guy calling him a game manager 18 years ago. So, yeah. I mean...
0: Well, I'll tell you the other reason that I root for Tom Brady. And it's to me, it's the bigger reason. The bigger reason is... It's like, because you're witnessing greatness, you're witnessing arguably the greatest athlete of all time. And you're witnessing it in your lifetime, something that a lot of people will never get to witness. Like, think about it. We could be 70 years old telling our grandkids about Tom Brady. Granted, it wouldn't be the same now because there's so much video and they'll be able to watch it themselves. But it's almost like if we were able to talk to somebody that got to watch watch Babe Ruth and there's no footage to see it because... But somebody that saw it appreciated the greatness of Babe Ruth. When Babe Ruth was hitting 50-something home runs, he was hitting more home runs than entire teams. So you're, it was it's greatness. It's almost like Brady's winning more Super Bowls than other teams within 50 years, 100 years. It's like you're and, you, and the numbers he puts up. It's like you're witnessing something that, arguably, you're never going to witness again. And I, to me, that's what makes it where I root for the guy because it's to the point where I want to see that greatness. You know, it's almost like as if I had gotten to see Muhammad Ali in his prime, you know, or or if I had seen Jim Thorpe or name a great athlete, like being able to witness that. It's like you don't get to see very often. It's almost like watching Barry Bonds those couple years on steroids when he was like a video game. Like every time there was a strike, he'd hit the ball over the fence. I I mean, watching Barry Bonds for those two years was like very similar. You're never going to see anything like that again in in anybody's life. And now granted, it was steroid induced, but it doesn't change the fact when we watched uh, Barry Bonds for a couple of years, it was insane. It was like a Nintendo game, dude. It was insane. It was either a strike that he hit 5,000 feet out of the stadium into the, into the water at Pat Bell Park, or it was a walk. And that was it. And he was striking out like 30 times in his 350 official at-bats because the other 300 bats were walks. And he hit 70 home runs. I mean, it was absurd, but you get my point. Uh, definitely. You know, you know
1: I, I, it is greatness.
0: I mean, it's it, great. I mean, honestly, it's
1: I don't think there's even a question, you know, to me, in my mind, that he's the greatest athlete of all time. I mean, I'm not talking athlete as far as, you know, physical body-wise. But, I mean, as far as just what he's done in his particular sport, I don't think you can name another player on his level. Especially being that the quarterback is, is the number one position in the NFL. It's, it's, you know, the most regarded position in the NFL. It's one of the hardest positions to succeed in in the NFL and look what he's done. I mean, and and listen, you know, we've seen some other great athletes, obviously Michael Jordan. I mean, there'd be guys in that conversation, but I'm just saying that he's definitely, he's definitely right there. So whether, you know, it's not even just the NFL, we're, we're witnessing one of the best players of our generation ever in the history of sports. And that oh, that's what's yeah. that's what oh, yeah. makes it you're right it's like we're special that we've been able to witness it yeah so yep. um you know uh moving on to the music side of things um I've actually been on this huge Allison chains kick lately uh, actually ever since like I would say about a month ago when we kind of talked about the uh the music uh it was uh when they did the
0: um oh they did the uh the the Seattle, Seattle museum yes, special exactly. yeah exactly and yeah. uh yeah.
1: i actually uh had purchased a book a while back and i had never read it and so uh it was actually called the Allison chain Allison chains the untold story and it's written by David DeSola um i haven't finished the book yet but it's just been an amazing you know ride back into the history of the band and you know we, we've talked about it when you talked about Halford's book that you were reading and how it kind of brings you into that moment so it's just i yeah. I just kind of like since I've been reading it I've been going back and listening to their to their music and it's just you know I I I love Alice in Chains man I'm just I I, I never realized how I much too. I actually loved them <laughs> until I go back now and listen to their, to their albums again. And it's just like, wow. Um, you know, it's just brought, yeah. brought a new light to, to them and, and, and my, you know, a better appreciation.
0: Definitely my favorite band that came out of Seattle in that grunge era. No yeah, question. And,
1: you know, obviously uh, we've talked about grunge uh, a little bit recently too with, uh, I had,
0: uh, yeah, you had your blog. Put you out, had your blog. You know, go, a top, blog of the top top-type grown, you know, albums. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Albums, yeah, that was what it was. And, yeah. you know,
1: it, it definitely makes for an interesting debate. Uh, I know we kind of had different ones. Obviously, I, I I I had Dirt ranked number one. But, I mean, it very well could have been.
0: I could see Dirt being number one. I could see yeah, it. Yeah, but it
1: also – but I had Pearl Jam 10 number two, which – I think most people, if you go and look at most people's lists, they always go with the trendy pick and say it's Nevermind. But in my opinion, I, I think Nevermind was obviously in the history of, of music and as far as, you know, uh, what it meant for that, that genre. It was a big-time album, per se, but I don't think it was the best album because I don't think Nirvana was the best. I think Nirvana was the fourth best band out of the four. If you if you, you call the super four oh if you talking about
0: the big four yeah. of Soundgarden, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, yes, Alice yeah, oh yeah, I take talent wise for sure, musicianship wise, yeah,
1: and, and that's not a knock on Nirvana. It's just I'm just stating a fact.
0: But Kurt Cobain was a great lyricist, great lyricist, yeah. But I but no, I mean for me, I'd probably say Ten would be my number one album of the era. Yeah, and at, but I could see well, Dirt But being let's talk there. about I mean, Ten
1: and how how sometimes that album is probably not talked about as much today because i think that album is clearly it could be the best grunge i mean that album was like i mean i I don't think there's one song on there that that isn't good
0: oh no it's a top to bottom great record i think the thing with pearl jam is that they like intentionally got so far away from that sound in that era that it kind of makes that album not i don't want to say forgotten because clearly it's not it's legendary in its own right, and it's still very respected and remembered, but it almost seems like it doesn't get the recognition of maybe Dirt, or Nevermind even, just because like, like they, they've done, so- Pearl Jam of all the bands has been the band that's toured constantly since that time period, and they've been a touring band, and they really got away from that sound, they're almost like a jam band, like where I was like, 10 was more of like a rock and roll record, I know it's grunge, but 10 was kind of like a, 10 kind of picked up where the mother love bone record apple left off like uh like stone gossard and jeff oh Ahmed, they were in mother love bone and then when andrew wood died they regrouped and you know they got eddie vetter and they formed pearl jam and that record kind of that 10 record kind of picked up where mother love bone left off mother love bone had a little bit of glam to them, and they were definitely more of a little closer to that 80s rock and but but definitely not 80s glam rock by any means. I mean, a little more of a glam image, and but it was definitely more, it was definitely different, more, more rooted in 70s rock. Um, but Pearl Jam kind of picked up from that. You know, they had it had some awesome riffs with 10 and, and some great guitar solos. You know, it was a real rock and roll record. Versus started like real that push towards mere, being more alternative and they never made a video again after Jeremy. So, I mean, think about it. Pearl Jam never made a video after the 10 album. Think that's crazy, it. and they're the band that's been touring since you don't have to say they're probably the biggest band of the four because they never stopped and they're they have a huge fan base They're almost like fish or the great i was Day. just gonna say the way they have such a live i was following, gonna say they remind you know?
1: me of like of that level like even like a pink floyd type level like a band that just continues to you know you know tour and 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 make a lot of money
0: but yeah yeah, but I but not even like I mean like but they definitely remind me mean, of like like Grateful Dead and Fish like they have like a real following like of, a cult of, following like of a live jam band they're like a jam band you know what I mean they're, they're they're totally like they're not anything like what they were when they started and they're really well, the not here's
1: a question for you because I um, have never seen Pearl Jam live do do they still play music even from that album or they have they
0: totally even went away i mean they do but it's not i mean they have so much material that's come out since and i'll admit i don't think either one of us have followed pearl gem that closely that's what i mean that we could say much we haven't i admit that i know we haven't i mean there's stuff that i like they had that record it came out a few years ago that was a little more poppy i can't remember the name of the record now oh jesus i'm drawing a blank on i actually really dug it but I mean, I just kind of Pearl Jim. I just kind because I'm a fan of the rock and roll, straightforward stuff. I kind of lost interest. Like I was really into Ten. I was really into Versus when it came out because of the era, and I was just into that. And I, but then I kind of lost them after that. Was the, what was the third record? Yeah, Vitology was spinning the black oh. circle yeah, and that, stuff. I, I liked it, but I didn't love it. It was it was getting away from yeah, what I Yeah, And then liked. after that, it was you know, like where it really at? went off. But but you're
1: right. But they yeah. had such a cult following. Like they're all like. A band like that is like they transcend like everything because
0: yeah they totally transcend that the the movement that they came you, from you know, you know what no, I'm like they
1: remind me of like yeah you you've hit two you said fish and you know and the Grateful Dead yeah
0: you know they just they have a following like that they're they're a live band dude they have a following they're a live band you know I mean but back to the r- original subject. I mean, I remember you were talking about, we were talking about your list. You had Stone Temple Pilots in there. I love Stone Temple Pilots as much as anybody. Yeah, I love I Scott Weiland. And I loved Scott Weiland with um Velvet Revolver, too. To me, I just don't put Stone Temple Pilots as a grunge band. To me, they're post-grunge. And I think they kind of got lumped in with the grunge sound because core kind of was rooted in that sound with the deeper voice and the, 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 the down-tuned riffing, kind of like Alice in Chains. But like for example Purple was another thing, another example of a band getting away from the sound of their first album. Purple was was uh Stone Temple Pilots making a statement and saying, "Hey, we're we're not grunge. We're a rock and roll band." And they, the 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 Purple record was much more rooted in 70s glam and David Bowie. And then they really kind of went more into that with um what was the third record that came out? I'm drawing a blank too. Oh, t- um t- um Tiny Music.
1: Tiny Music.
0: Um and then Yep. And then they had um, Four, which was a little bit heavier. Remember? The, and then they had um, Shangri La da But I mean, it was totally nothing like Core, any of those records. Yeah, Core. You know, I mean, it, it was like they were not a grunge band. They're from Minnesota, and the DeLeo the, the brothers are in Point Pleasant, New Jersey. You know, they just kind of got lumped into it because of talk the about era. Some... But I mean, I just wouldn't include them in a list. When I think of grunge, I think of the Seattle scene. You know? Well, no, that's and, that,
1: and that's fine. And I, I guess maybe, you know, maybe if I was doing another, you know, list, they would probably fall in one of those type of.
0: There's put it this way. I'm sure most people would put stone, don't list. I'm just very particular. I just think that they're, I hate. we yeah, I know we hate labels like grunge, post grunge. But I mean, realistically, I mean, if you're going to say it, if you're going to call grunge a movement to me, it means Seattle. Kind of like when you talk about 80s glam, it's like Sunset Strip. You know, to me, Pearl Jam, I mean, I'm. Um, Stone Cold Pilots wasn't a part of that. They kind of came out at the tail end of it, and they were. But that, but then you almost would call every band that came out in the early '90s. Well, that and that's that. true. And but if you put on Lithium on on XM Radio, they're going to be on that channel. Well, and the funny know, so thing is, is,
1: I, I think <laughs> you and I would both agree too. Even Alice in Chains, like that facelift album, is more like a metal album,
0: like. Well again you're right again you're right but it, but here's the thing Alice in Chains was record. No and I Alice get that, that but I guess my and point And that goes to this but here's the thing but here's I'm going to make the point right now it was a heavy metal record because there was no term <laughs> grunge yet There it is nobody had called it that, that grunge is a retroactive term you know what i'm After saying like wasn't when i when we got those records we just thought they were new metal bands that had a little different sound we knew something was brewing it was different it was definitely different but even if you think back dude at the end of the glam era, like Motley Crue had stopped wearing makeup. Dude, think of Poison on the Flesh and Blood record. I mean, they weren't wearing makeup anymore. So the music was already evolving. Like all these bands that had huge glam images in the mid-80s that were still very popular as the 80s turned to the 90s, even those bands before anything had come out of Seattle had already to- down, you know, tuned down the image. They weren't wearing all this makeup. Seattle was kind of just a byproduct of that gradual transition, in my opinion, and kind of like, almost like Thrash was an answer to the glam metal in a- in L.A., out of the Bay Area in San Francisco, Grunge was kind of another answer to it. It was just a different scene. So, like, w- when Allison Chains came out, it was just kind of like another metal record. You know what I mean? I think you're right. No, you're... I'm agreeing with you. Yeah, and
1: I, I guess, like, you know... You're right, the term came about after. So we didn't know.
0: Yeah, it's a retroactive term, like hair metal. It didn't exist at the yeah, time. Same
1: thing with thrash, like, <laughs> really even.
0: Thrash didn't exist. I think thrash might have, because thrash... I don't know. I mean, but the grunge was definitely a retroactive term. It, nobody knew what to call it. And I'll admit, we knew something was different. When Kurt Cobain came on there, on MTV, and it smells like Teen Spirit video wearing a moldy sweater, <laughs> we knew something was different. I'll admit it. And I was listening to that record, and I was like, wow, this is different. But you know what, dude? I remember listening to, like, Urge Overkill. Like, you forget about them. Remember, you better run. It's a good band. Sister, Van Out. Love them, dude. But, like, same thing. Like, they just seem different. They're not from the Seattle scene. But they're another band that could be lumped into grunge. I mean, think about it. Almost every band. So when I think of grunge, I really just think of the Seattle scene, because I think that scene was representative. I, I, you didn't have it on your grunge list. But I think if you were going to talk about top grunge records, I would put the single soundtrack in the top three, probably that that album was totally representative of the era. Alice in Chains Wood was on that album. All the SAP sessions, the SAP album was recorded during the sessions for the soundtrack for singles, which I've discussed on a prior episode of this podcast. Um, and you had some great material from Chris Cornell on there. I mean, that's a great record. If you if you if if anybody wants to really embody themselves in the grunge era, check out the single soundtrack. And watch the movie, too. Yeah. I'll uh, yeah, that, <laughs> And definitely check out the book. Cause... Yeah. Check well, out the name of the book it again, Jay? It's
1: called Alice Chains. I'm going to check it out. What's Alice the name of it again? Alice Chains, The Untold Chains, Story. The untold story. Yeah. There's a lot of... Yep. They, they right, actually have there. a lot... What's cool about the book is there's a lot about their early stuff before they were even Alice in Chains. Like, Diamond Lie, Jerry Cantrell was in, you know, Diamond Lie. And then the, uh, yep, you yep. know, obviously what, what they were beforehand. And it goes back to the music bank. There's a lot of stuff about the music bank, which is pretty cool. It, especially if you want to know about the grunge era, because a lot of bands, you know, came from, you know, went through there. Not just in Chains.
0: Well, Jay, I was just thinking of something. We were just talking about how Facelift was a metal record for all intents and purposes. Let's they not were forget. And you're reading it in the book. They yes. were a glam band. They were a fucking glam band. I mean, glam was everywhere in the 80s. It just started getting toned down. Like I said, Poison, Motley Crue, all these bands toned down the image. Alice in Chains oh, was they... no different. And they actually changed their name from Alice in Chains. I mean, from Alice and the letter N Chains, which was like Guns N' Roses, Alice in Chains. And they changed it to Alice in Chains. As part yes. of that image change because they thought Alice yeah. in Chains the yeah, originally so there you go. <laughs> Originally, they didn't want they were the funny Alice in Chains but they thought it was too yes much but the then they went turn. to it anyway yep.
1: after the fact which is crazy right that they yeah. actually that was what they yeah, wanted
0: yeah. well because they knew that the, the tide was turning yep and Alice in Chains was 80s the name with the end yeah. you know but yeah there you go there you go anyway everybody it's been a great show before we go I want to make a very special announcement. Last week, we had a very special guest, Mr. Seb Braganza, 13-year-old guitar prodigy out of Philadelphia. The kid is an amazing talent, and he's a really nice kid, too. If you listen to last week's episode, you'll hear him and his father, Artie. Great, great people. We were so honored to have them on the show. Um, And uh, we're going to sign off. It's been a great show. And as we let you out, we want you to stay tuned. You're going to listen right now to the world's premiere of Seb Braganza's first single, Assault, from his upcoming album, Assault. And it's going to be available on Monday, Jay, on Spotify and yes, anywhere you get yes, your music, correct. right? It's going to be available on Monday on Spotify and any other platform where you get your digital music. So check, listen listen now to the world premiere. It's unbelievable. Huh. It's – listen to this shredding <laughs> at its best. You would think you're listening to Dave Mustaine right now and Marty Friedman. Blown I away. Mean, it's unbelievable. Away. Blown away. So this is Aaron Savage is signing Jason off. For you. Jason, it's signing off. And stay tuned. Right now, the world premiere, Sebraganza Assault. that's our show. Tune in next time for more Sports & Metal oh, with Jason Voorhees and Aaron Savage. Shh, shh, shh. Ooh, yeah. Got something to say? Hit us up at Sports & Metal 0423 at yahoo.com or on Twitter at Sports & Metal.